1966, the Chicago Bears drafted the son of a Pennsylvania coal miner in the fourth round. Doug Buffon would go on to play 15 seasons for the Bears and later be named one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time. His allegiance to the Bears never waned, even when he took to the microphone and witnessed some horrendous Bears teams. The fact is there's not the fear put into him because this game is a lot about fear. You either do the job or you go home and go sell hamburgers at McDonald's. Doug told it like it is, and that's part of the reason his nephew John has dedicated this show to Doug. Now John Buffone is spreading Buffone-branded beratements just like his uncle. Win the football game. You're the head coach. I don't care what you have your fingers in. I don't care what you're meddling in. You're the head freaking coach. We get it. You're the most important guy on the staff. You don't have to keep trying to legitimize that. And he's got pep talks too. I love this team. And I know everyone watching and listening loves this team. So while we may be pessimistic and cynical... Every one of us still has hope that the stars will align at some point. And if that ever does happen, you'll be glad you stuck around. John is telling it like it is here on Buffone 55. And joining John are Alyssa Barbieri, managing editor of USA Today's NFL Wires, including Bears Wire. And also Danny Shimon, lead game and draft analyst for the Barroom Network. Buckle up and bear down. This is Buffone 55, The John Buffone Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Buffone 55. It's a fast-paced approach at breaking down the Chicago Bears. I'm John Buffone, and with me as always is my co-host and producer, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, long time no see. A lot has happened since the last time I was on this show. Like, I don't know, the Bears rattling off back-to-back wins. Uh, I want to thank you so much for filling in while I was gone. You, Danny, and Aldo are rock stars. Uh, I felt the need to get back here as soon as possible before the network realized that they don't even need a Buffone for Buffone 55. How are you doing? Oh, stop with that. But yeah, thanks. Now, it was fun stepping into the host for a little bit, but it just wasn't the same without you. We're so thrilled to have you back, especially ahead of this huge week 18 game against the Packers with a chance to end the season on a high note and keep them out of the playoffs. So I'm ready for this one. Glad to have you back in the saddle and to talk about another Bears win. There's seven. What's happening? We'll see. We'll see. This is the last preview show that we're doing of the season. The season has flown by. It does not feel that like that long ago, looking like that we were back in September saying, you know, eight, nine wins, and then we were killing ourselves in October. And then we came back and look at us now. We're on the brink of that eight-win season, but we have a lot to break down. It's our final preview of the show, not the last show of the season, but our final preview show of the season. Uh, Like I said, it's incredible how time flies. Uh, But just in case, Alyssa, this is someone's first time ever watching this show. You picked a great time because the season's almost over. But still, thank you for tuning in. Can you let everyone know how Buffone 55 works? Of course. So we will begin with the classic B55 segment. That's when I asked John five questions about the Bears and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffone, his uncle, his mentor, 
and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. Then we're going to bring on Danny Shimon for a free-for-all that we call the phone's basement, where the three of us are going to break down this last win and look ahead to the Bears' next matchup, which, of course, is the Green Bay Packers, with a little help from Aldo Gandia, who has a full report on the Bears' biggest rival. So, John, the Bears want to go out strong this year. I assume you want to do the same. Uh, well, after a two-week break, I'm either going to be rested or rusty, so let's see how it goes. <laughs> and just to answer Barlissimo's question in the chat room, no, this is not a tan, this is razor burn. I've shaved for the first time in a few weeks, and all of a sudden, my face turned really red. Apparently, I apparently my my gentle skin can't handle the razor anymore, so that's why my skin looks a little blush. But I'm, I'm rolling with it. It's a look. I'm going to have to send you my skincare routine, but we're going to dive right into it. It's time for our B55 segment. I'm going to ask John five questions, and he's somehow going to keep his responses within 55 seconds. So let's go ahead and get it. John, way back in September, you said you'd be fuming about the first Green Bay matchup until they played again in January. Well, it's January, and the Bears get another shot at the Packers this Sunday. So let's look at this four months later. Are you still fuming? 55 seconds are on the clock. Let's get fired up. Well, yeah, I'm still fuming. Do I look like a guy that calms down easily? <laughs> there are just more <laughs> layers to my anger now. Yeah, I was mad in September. They lost to Green Bay at home. They didn't turn the page on the rivalry. They made Jordan Love look like Tom Brady. And it was just the appetizer to a horrific start to the season. But what really grinds my gears is that this matchup should mean something very different. At best, the role should be reversed. And at worst, it should be a winner-take-all situation. If they don't blow the game against Denver, if they don't blow the game against Detroit, if they don't blow the game against the Browns, we are talking about a very different Week 18 scenario. And I'm not saying they had to win all those games, but I think the chances of them not winning at least one of those games was something like under 1%, which is like the most Bears thing ever. So yeah, I'm fuming because we could have had Bears and Packers at Lambeau Field with the playoffs on the line, but instead... All they can be is spoilers. Man, you just like made me even angrier than I was going into this game. And I still was because like you, I'm I'm not a calm sports person at all. But like you said, this game, it, it's crazy because after the first, obviously it hurt for a different reason in week one because there was so much, so much high expectations for what this team could be. And it was supposed to be, you know, when the tide finally turned with this rivalry. And now it's like, well, the Bears should be leading the NFC North right now and be playing for a chance to win an NFC North title. Instead, they're they're going to be at home for the playoffs, but at least they do have a chance to knock Green Bay out of the postseason. But yeah, it's, it's crazy because, I mean, I talked about it a few times where it feels like this season feels like two different acts, like two, two completely different seasons. And I, I completely forgot just like, like that happened this year. Like that results and just how brutal it was. It feels like a lifetime ago, but thinking about it and like rehashing it and going back and watching it to prepare for this week and stuff, it, it, I'm just as angry as I was right after that now. And I'm just, I want the bears to go out there and, and, and beat them. And I think that they're better equipped, I think, to beat the Packers mm -hmm. this time around. So we'll see if they can get it done. But I mean, yeah, just, just the thought of this game just infuriates me. Yeah, they are a different team, and, and like you said, I think they're better equipped. They're, they're Not all teams are better at the end of the year. Like, the Bears are better than they were at the beginning of the year. So so we'll see. This is this is essentially the Bears' Super Bowl. This is the last game of the season, and they're the only thing they're playing for is pride in the rivalry and potentially knocking Green Bay out of the playoffs. 
and hopefully potentially shutting Aaron Rodgers up. Uh, so let's move to the biggest talking point amongst Bears fans right now, and that is, of course, the quarterback. Justin Fields had another good game, passing for 268 yards with a touchdown, and he added 45 yards on the ground and a score. With all of the talk around Fields this year, do you think he has played his way into returning to the Bears next year as the starting quarterback? 55 seconds. Good luck. Well, let's just say I'm happy I'm not the one making this decision because it is absolutely a franchise-defining and probably a career-defining decision that Ryan Poles has to make. And this is kind of weird because from here on out, Justin Fields is going to get compared to Caleb Williams. Normally, quarterbacks are just compared to the other quarterbacks in their draft class, but people will be monitoring the trajectory of Caleb Williams versus Justin Fields because if Poles trades Fields and he lights it up in Atlanta or Seattle or wherever he goes – Poles will be the guy who traded Justin Fields away because his staff just couldn't cultivate his talent. But if he keeps Fields and he just remains a good to very good quarterback and Caleb Williams turns into a generational quarterback, Poles will be the guy that passed on Caleb Williams. Now there's a chance that Williams is a bust and Fields becomes a top five quarterback and that creates a lot more scenarios. But I really do understand both sides. The haul you can get for the number one pick is so appetizing and Fields has been playing well, but you can reset the rookie pace cycle at quarterback and maybe have a generational talent. I will be anxiously waiting. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I completely get both sides, just like you said, because, you know, it feels like if you go like online on Twitter and like people are like taking definitive sides and sometimes it gets a little ugly. But I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, I'm I want Justin Fields back next year. I think that what Ryan Poles could get for this number one pick and how he could use that to build around fields and to build this team up and put them in a position to contend for the NFC North last year. Uh, next year, I'm sorry. Um, I think. Obviously, you kind of look at Caleb Williams. Yes, he could be a generational talent, but we as Bears fans know that's there's no such guarantee, and we yeah. know how bad they are at drafting quarterbacks. And it, it feels like – and developing quarterbacks, which is a big thing as well. So I don't envy Ryan Poles, but ultimately I will respect the decision that he makes. He's either going to be really convicted on Caleb Williams and thinking that he is going to be the guy to, to lead this team to the championship – or he's or he's confident that Justin Fields can get them there with a little more help. Yeah, I, I like Justin Fields. I think that he can continue to grow and be a really, really, really good quarterback. And I would love to see, and not to mention that you will get for that number one pick for someone that wants to move up and take Caleb Williams. Because very rarely do you get the number one overall pick two years in a row and you trade it both times. So uh, so we'll see what they want to do. I mean, they're they they, they pulled off a great heist last year by trading that to Carolina. They take Bryce Young, which I'm really glad that they had the foresight not to do that. Uh, and then they, they get the they get the big haul for that, and they could potentially turn that into another big haul because Carolina was so bad this year that they that they can maybe get, you know, multiple first-round picks in multiple years. So I, that's that's it's incredible to see what Poles is able to be – could potentially stockpile here. Uh, but like I said, if it does – if for whatever reason, whether it's coaching or, you know, Fields himself or whatever, if it doesn't work out, Poles will be the guy that traded the number one overall pick two times when he had his choice of quarterbacks and it ended up not working out. So I can understand the pressurized situation that, that he's under right now. Yeah, and like you said, this is going to be a move that will impact this franchise for the next decade, right? Depending on whatever move he does make. So he needs to make sure that it's the right one. Uh, I think it's a position that, you know, he's excited to be in. Obviously you have the number one pick back to back years, so you can go a number of different directions this year. So 
we'll see. But again, I'm going to trust in Ryan Poles because so far, I mean, outside a couple of moves, including the Chase Claypool trade, he's done a really good job uh, really building this team the way that he wants to have it. So mm. we'll see. But this is obviously going to be a hot topic of conversation throughout oh, yeah. the offseason. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, of course. And then we're going to be monitoring it uh, throughout as well. So Another guy trying to prove that he should be around next year is head coach Matt Eberflus. The Bears have more than doubled their win total from last year, just crazy, and have shown signs of improvement. So, John, has Eberflus proved he deserves another year? 55 seconds and go. Look, I've been saying that Ryan Poles will be looking for reasons to keep Eberflus, and I get it. He will have more than doubled his win total from last year. The defense is playing really well. We are seeing improvements on both sides of the ball, and the players seem to be playing hard for him. I just still have my reservations, and I think that's okay. If he comes back, will he be calling the defense, or will the new defensive coordinator get that responsibility? And they risk the possibility of the defense looking like it did when Allen Williams was calling plays. And like I said before, a few mismanaged games can wreck a season, and we saw how the games were handled against Denver, Detroit, and Cleveland. I think he's a great coordinator. I'm just not sold on him being a team CEO and properly handling everything that falls underneath that head coaching title. One thing probably is for certain, though, we will know the future of Matt Eberflus before we know the future of Justin Fields, and that could indicate which direction the Bears are going. If Eberflus is retained, I think that's a sign that Justin Fields could be sticking around. If they let Eberflus go, uh, it could be quite the opposite, but I, I think I'm leaning towards the Bears are probably going to retain him at this point. Yeah, I'd lean that way as well. And just like you said, it feels like in so many ways that Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields are connected. And I think that's what we want as Bears fans is to avoid that cycle where, you know, you you draft a rookie quarterback and then fire the head coach and then the coach inherits the quarterback. So either clean house entirely or run it back one more year. I understand because it's Caleb Williams, right, being the quarterback. I mean, you could you could afford another year, right? You can draft another quarterback next year. So you could run it back with Matt Eberflus. But like you said, I do think – I do have my reservations about him, and it's because of those, those blown leads. Like you said, the Bears should be in the playoffs right now. They should be in the playoffs with a chance to win the division, and we should be preparing for that instead of preparing for our wrap-up show next week. And I don't know. Like, I, I still not very confident about him as head coach, but – Clearly, his players have confidence in him. Ryan Poles has confidence in him. Great defensive coordinator. What do you think that defense can't take that away from him? But I don't know. I just, I feel like this, I'm getting eerily similar vibes to 2021, where it's going to, like, I don't want it to feel like a lost year Mm -hmm. where you're just going to ultimately fire him anyways. But I mean, I will say he has shown improvement, but is that really enough to bring him back? If you really want the Bears to win a championship, is he the guy that's going to get it done? And that brings up a whole other, uh, you know, subject that I'm sure we'll get into later. But uh, Berlismo asked, "Is there any case to convince yourself that Getzi should return?" And for me, no. But that, but then that throws a whole new dynamic into the conversation because it's not. It's then it's not like oh, they're going to keep Eberflus, so Justin's going to have the same system and feel comfortable. No, if they get rid of Getze, then he's going to have to learn another system in another year, on the year where you're deciding. You know, I mean, you're going to have to decide whether you're picking up his fifth year option this uh this offseason and you're going to throw him into a new offensive system and say make it work and then we'll and then because we did pick up your option so you got to make it work if we're going to extend you so uh, i mean it's that throws in a whole other 
part of this conversation of if Getsy's gone, what does that mean for your quarterback too? If you're if you're bringing in a new offensive coordinator, do you want a new quarterback to run with it? And will that offensive coordinator want a specific uh, a quarterback to run his offense? So there's a there's still I know there's only a week left in the season, but there's still a lot to sort out here. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Wouldn't it be so much easier if they just hired an offensive-minded head coach? <laughs> Look, I'm, oh my goodness! I'm not going to be a complete hypocrite because I said I wouldn't mind if they hired a defensive coach. I just wanted a, an adult in the room after that Matt Nagy was here. But in <laughs> retrospect, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. If they had an offensive, if they had an offensive head coach, this probably wouldn't be this wouldn't be as much of an issue or at least a talking point. But uh, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not going to pretend like I like I said like I've said on this show a thousand times. My I my best my best attribute is being wrong about everything. So that's just that's just another thing that I that I'm wrong about. So that's 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 what I bring to the table. Whatever I say, the opposite is probably going to happen. So we'll see we'll see how things uh, we'll see how they uh, fold, unfold here. We shall. And it's going to be definitely be an eventful off season. So let's take one more stroll down memory lane. Prior to the season, we all predicted that the Bears would be in the eight to nine win range at the end of the year. And for the first few months of the season, that looked comical and we looked like we were going to be on freezing cold takes. But <laughs> now the Bears are one way away from finishing the season at eight and nine. So, John, if that happens, will you still feel as disappointed as you did a few months ago? 55 seconds are on the clock. What a weird season. Like like you said, we were kicking ourselves in October for predicting a season of eight or nine wins, and now here we are with that being a real possibility. Uh, but to answer the question, yeah, I'll still be disappointed because if they wouldn't have absolutely fell out of the gate at the beginning of the season, we would be talking about something very different. I know it's not healthy to look back in the past and think, what if, but it's pretty hard not to as a football fan. And I think context is very important in every situation. You have to look at the details of the season and not just the final number. It's frustrating uh, because we build this as the next big step-up year. And I don't think it can be a step-up year if you start the season 0-4 and, and eventually 1-5. and Yet, uh, we can say they finished strong, but that kind of just sets the tone for next year to be the big step-up season. So we have to go through another off-season of hope, and then maybe 2024 is when this happens. It's the Bears' way. I mean, like, right, the off season and like the like the week leading up to the first game. That's like our Super Bowl. That's when we're feeling at our highest, just all the belief. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it has felt like two different seasons. I you point to the earlier part of the season. I'm kind of even looking just this back half where you know since Montez Sweat joined and it's those yeah. three games that they should have won, and then we're talking about a completely different season. And obviously, we're talking about double digit wins here. And they're contending for a you know for the playoffs. Actually, they're in the playoffs, contending for a division title. And it's, I don't know, like I th there's so much. I don't know, like the what if man, the what if game as a Bears fan is just so, oh, frustrating. That's what but we do. like you, I know it, it's it's rough. I'm still disappointed, but I know we burned the tape already. So at least I don't know we can't get that back. Yeah. But I mean, I still feel kind of good that at least it's going to be like the eight and nine win range. Just, I mean, because there was a moment where I was like, they're not going to win another game this year. Oh, yeah. And then things turn, they started to turn around and, you know, finishing on a strong note. I think there's something to be said about that. I don't know whether that's enough to save Matt Eberflus's job or it should be, but we'll see. But it's still, I'm still disappointed. Maybe not as disappointed when I didn't think they could not, that they couldn't win a game for the rest of the year, but it still feels like a lost season. Well, there have been some 
there were some weeks where the Bears were slotted to be the the number one overall pick and the number two overall pick. Yes. Like there was that was a that was a real thing. They're like, oh, they're taking Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. number one and number two. That was a thing for a while because the Bears looked awful. Like they they looked like they were going to have their own top five pick or even top two pick uh, because of how bad they were. So uh, it, it's it's really weird. And it's so to, to get back to what we were talking about. It's how they got there that I'm disappointed in because it's just we wanted an eight or nine win team and we thought maybe there would be some consistency throughout that season where they win some games, they fall short on some games, they win a game they're not supposed to, they fall short, you know, it's kind of up and down. This was like, okay, let's start the season by digging the biggest hole we can think of and then gradually move up as the as the season progresses and then we're right there at the tip of that uh, the hole that we dug for ourselves we're not going to get out of it just because they dug themselves such a big hole to begin with in the beginning of the season it's the hope that kills you every time every time as a bears fan every time so we're going to finish with this so john it is week 18 the bears are not going to the playoffs but they have one game left against the packers no need for a clock on this one but john i want you to tell us why Bears fans should get hyped up for this game? Have at it. Look, if you're a Bears fan, you shouldn't need me to tell you why you should get hyped for this game. First of all, it's the Packers. The Bears need every opportunity to crawl back into this rivalry, which currently stands at 106-95. The Bears are on a nine-game losing streak to Green Bay, and Chicago hasn't beaten the Packers yet this decade. Second of all, this is a chance to not just beat Green Bay, but potentially ruin their season. If Green Bay loses, it doesn't slam the door on their playoff chances, but it makes it pretty difficult. Misery loves company, and Bears fans have been miserable for quite some time. And finally, this is the last Bears game of the season. This is the last time we get to see our favorite team play for about eight months, and that sucks. The anticipation of August, the disappointment of September, to the signs of life in December, it all gets wrapped up this Sunday. And, you know, another reason I was so disappointed throughout this year was that it felt like as fans, we lost another season of potentially competitive football. We only get so many seasons to watch. After all, we're all human here. There are 60-year-old Browns fans that have never seen a Browns championship. There are 67-year-old Lions fans that have never been alive for a championship. There are 76-year-old Cardinals fans that have never been alive for a championship. I have never been alive for a Bears championship. And I don't want to be listening to a Bears show in the year 2055, listening to a conversation about a 70-year Super Bowl drought. But I guess I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But let's just hope they beat Green Bay on Sunday and we'll take it from there. That'll do it for B55. After this message, we'll talk more Bears with the Barroom's lead analyst, Danny Shimon, and preview this season finale against those Packers. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a quarterback in the NFL? I have. The quarterback position is arguably the most difficult position in all of sports due to its physical and mental nature. Join me by watching me on this channel on my journey to become an NFL quarterback. The best Chicago Bears content. Nomad Live, pre-game, one hour prior to kickoff, and Nomad at night, post-game, 
and every Friday evening at 7 p.m. Central on all the most popular streaming platforms. And only on the Nomad Network. back to Buffone 55. This is the segment we call Buffone's Basement. That's where we get down and dirty with some Bears talk with the Barroom's lead analyst, Danny Shimon. Danny, how you doing? Long time no see. Yeah, man. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, John, uh, glad to have you back, man. We, we, we truly missed you. Even though Alyssa, you know, took, she took the wheel and she drove it down, you know, down the lane nice and smooth, but good to have you back, man. I'm telling you, we were one episode away from this becoming Barbieri 55. And so, and then and, and it was, and to be honest, it'd probably get better ratings, but that's, but I had to get back here. I had to get back here so we could talk about this season finale with the Packers and talk about all the things that are going on with the Bears because there's plenty of stuff to talk about. So, Danny, we just brought you in. You know, but both you and Alyssa know that the Justin or Caleb debate has been red hot on social media with all of the experts on Twitter or X, whatever you call it. Uh, but Danny, you've made it clear that you want the Bears to continue the rebuild with Justin Fields. So uh, go ahead and make your case to fans who don't want Justin Fields back. Tell them why investing in Fields is a better option than drafting uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May or any other quarterback in this draft. Well, first of all, I, John, and also I feel like I've been trying to make this case for about the last year and a half and, and for Justin Fields. And the first thing I, I, I heard the, the your, your earlier segment with Buffon 55 and, and just think I want to say Caleb Williams is not a, a generational talent. I'll just let you know people out there are saying he's generational talent. He's not a generational talent. Uh, we'll get into him, I'm sure, later on here, uh, if not this show, you know, down the road. But, uh, but, but with Justin Fields, all I can talk about is, is facts. And I, I've got some, some film here we can break into a little bit later on. But the, the facts are he's, going, he's, he's a third-year quarterback going into his fourth year next year. He's 6'3", 230 pounds. He's a guy that, that currently you know, has, has played behind a, a decimated offensive line this first couple years. Uh, you know, this year right now, he's, he's, passed, he's having a 61% completion percentage. You know, 2,414 passing yards, 16 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions. That's this year. He's already missed four games. You add to that the 630 uh, rush yards and the additional four touchdowns. So he's like he's a accounted for over 3,000 yards of offense, 20 touchdowns. And this is a kid that, for me, at 24 years old, his ceiling is he still hasn't reached his ceiling. He still can get better. And and it, there's some stuff that I want to talk about here with this kid is it, we'll show the highlights here real quick in terms of some from film study. But, you know, let's, let's go right, actually right here real quick. This is the game against Atlanta this past week. And the, the first play here is, is really highlighting Justin 
the ability in the pocket to, to be able to manipulate the safety. And a lot of things with these quarterbacks in the pocket is, you know, be able to hold that safety. You see here, and as this all 22 view, holds that safety in the middle of the field by, by staring down the safety, knowing that DJ Moore has the one-on-one -on -one outside route, outside coverage, and this ability to go ahead and hold that safety, to take a look at his head, holding in the middle of the field, and then throwing that, that ball with what I call a bucket throw, dropping it into, into DJ Moore there and you know, leading him out of bounds for that big completion. That is him making a play from the pocket. These are things that you see what quote-unquote pocket quarterbacks doing, right? If we go to the next play here, this one here, I, I want to focus on Justin's ability to go ahead and go through his progression. A lot of times you hear about, oh, Justin can't go through a progression. Well, here, look at his head. He starts off here looking to his left, comes back to the middle, and just when it looks like he's going to go ahead and tuck it and run, he finds uh, Johnson there, dumps it off, who runs it in inside the five-yard line, setting up a first and goal. Again, I want to highlight his patience here, going through a progression, going to the left there, going to his first, second, third reads, finally finding that that uh, that dump off pass to Johnson there. And the other thing I want to highlight here is, is the pass protection. The offensive line, you know, since week 12, he came back from his injury. The offensive line has played better. Justin's played better. I think this is just the line and the quarterback just getting better and getting more confidence. The, the better the offensive line protects from, gives him more confidence, go ahead and stay there, go through his full field progression here, as we see here, and then go ahead and, and, and go with the check down, which is something that Justin never did last year. A lot of times it was one read, maybe two, then tuck it and run. This is, this is again, Justin developing here as a pocket quarterback. Uh, just a couple of plays here. The third play here is the, 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 the uh, touchdown to, uh, to uh, DJ Moore. Third and goal, talk about Justin cannot make anticipatory throws. Well, here, if you take a look at it, as, a, as we get the all-22 view here pretty soon, he, he notices that DJ is lined up in a slot, is going to, at the snap, has the safety who's got inside leverage on him. Right away, he knows DJ's got this guy beaten. So all he has to do is now throw it to a spot, anticipate where DJ is going to be, and the ball placement is excellent where – it's only where DJ can make the play on the football. The defender can't. So, again, making throws from the pocket, anticipatory throws. This is what I call throwing a receiver open, throwing them away from coverage. These are NFL-type throws. And this is stuff that we've been seeing a little bit more and more consistently from Justin this, this year. Obviously, you know, last year we, we had this decimated roster, nothing outside. You add DJ Moore this year. You got a Cole Komet developing young tight end. Now add pieces around him. The offensive line, as I mentioned here, has gotten better. And you fortify the middle of the offensive line with a couple more pieces here. Add another playmaker on the outside in the draft. You have multiple, multiple talented first-round receivers available in this, in this draft here. Add another tight end that can complement Cole Komet. You, know, you, you get these pieces around him. He's, he's going to be a guy going into his fourth year. I know the talk is about the contract and all that stuff. It, it is something where if you bring in a rookie quarterback, you're going to be starting all over in terms of getting that guy familiar with the NFL and, and again, Caleb Williams, I'm not going to hit here and dog him and all that stuff. He's got some, some really good talent in terms of ball ability, throwing the ball down the field, strong arm to make all, all the throws. But in terms of just you've already put time to Justin Fields. I think Fields, for me, has a higher ceiling overall. Now, Caleb might be a better, again, throw of the football. I think Justin hasn't reached his peak yet. Like I said, 24 years old, the ceiling's still there. I think some more coaching, some better coaching. You know, there, there are things that – actually three or four things I want Justin to, to actually take into next year and get better at. First of all, the one thing I, I was hoping he'd do this year, but I haven't seen on a consistent basis, is speed up his play clock in his head, meaning pre-snap, read the defense, see what they're doing, post-snap, quickly analyze what the adjustment is, and then find your reading and get rid of the football. You know, so lately here we're seeing you know, less sacks, him throwing the football away or, or finding the second or third you know, option, as we saw there with Roshan Johnson. 
The other thing I want to work on is I want to work on his ability in terms of getting the uh, those second and that, that throw that feather over that second and third level uh, defenders, being able to kind of feather it over that linebacker in front of the safety. Those kind of throws you see a lot of times Justin their, their line drive throws, kind of airmails them or they're a little bit off target. Work on that. The other thing is, uh, you know, get up his release. Uh, there's times where we see him get the ball out of his hands real quickly, and there's times you see it's a little bit longer. Just work on it. I mean, these are all things again with repetition, with better coaching, in my opinion, with you know, with just you know, just footwork and all that stuff. Continue to work and continue to build on it. And I think Justin Fields has the potential. We see the the ability to go ahead and and, and make plays with his legs, uh, but, but and then just again complete that that package here. You know, rolling out to his to his left, to his right. Throwing on a run, he's got good accuracy, ability to make plays. Now just continue to make some plays from that from the pocket grow there. I think that's going to be something that, that continue to make this kid go better and better. The other thing, the most important thing here, and the reason why I want to stick with Justin Fields, is the team loves him. The team follows him. The team believes in him. You know, that third and eight play, when he got away from two defenders and he got 19 yards, scrambled for 19 yards, got a first down. Who were the first guys that jumped off the bench and came in to congratulate him? Defenders. Eddie Jackson. Jaquan Brisker, the defensive lineman, they are all there. To the team, the defense has his back. They believe in him. They want him as their leader. And again, trade that first round pick, and you can get more this first round pick than you could for last year's first round pick. You build now all those assets. You build along with the cap room. You build around this kid. Got a couple more players on defense. Now you got a team that quickly could probably potentially can you know contend for a playoff spot next year. And I uh, love love seeing those highlights with the snow flurries around. Enjoy it while you can, because uh, I don't know how much longer the Bears will be playing outside. But uh, that was just uh, awesome to see. Great breakdown of all those plays, Danny. Appreciate that. Alyssa, I want to bring you in here because you, you kind of indicated what you wanted during the B-55 segment. But it, are you in the fields camp or are you in the reset the quarterback position with the draft pick camp? Because there are pros. Let's let's not let's not pretend like there's absolutely no pro to one side and all con to the other. I mean, I, I understand what the, the 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 thought process is from from both sides. Uh, where where do you stand on that? Yeah, I definitely understand both sides. Obviously, there's there are salary cap benefits to resetting the quarterback position with a rookie. You know, the Bears are slated to have an estimated $82.4 million in cap space in 2024, according to ESPN, which obviously you're gonna you can use that to shore up the rest of the roster. And while Justin Fields will only cost six million dollars in 2024, if you exercise his fifth year option by May 2024, that would be an estimated 23.3 million in 2025 if you draft a rookie quarterback obviously you're resetting the salary cap and that will allow you to spend on premium positions as you continue to build a contending team but with that said the salary cap benefit doesn't mean anything unless you get it right at the quarterback position while fields has had his shortcomings as danny was alluding to he's shown vast improvement this year and will continue to grow as you build around him there is no guarantee that caleb williams or even drake may or whoever uh, the Bears would draft if they opted to do that will pan out. We all know the Bears track record with drafting and developing quarterbacks. So is that a risk that you're willing to take? But if Ryan Poles has conviction on one of those quarterbacks, it's a move that he should and will make. Putting myself on the record, I like the Bears to stick with fields and continue to build around him. There are added benefits outside of just the salary cap, like Danny was talking about draft capital. We saw what Chicago got for that first pick last year. DJ Moore, Darnell Wright, Tyreek Stevenson, the number one pick this year. And we still have a 2025 second rounder coming. And ESPN, uh, they shared a story this week where they 
uh, Jeremy Fowler, where he believes that the haul for this number one pick is going to be even bigger, where he thinks that you can get three first round picks and a veteran player or a second round pick. And you could get that from a team that's already picking inside the top five. And we saw what happens when you trade with a bad team. It turned into the number one pick this year. So obviously there's a benefit um, of having, you know, resetting the salary cap, but there's also a benefit of having that additional draft capital to build your roster. Uh, and that's what we've seen from Ryan Pohl so far. He sees someone that wants to build through the draft. Absolutely. And, and I, I want to bring up a, a comment that Bellissimo just put out about we could have two first round picks for the next three years, including this one. And that helps offset if the best case scenario fields balls out and you have to pay him $40 million. There, yeah, that, that's the other end of it where you have all of these first rounders that you're not paying, not just the quarterback. People forget that, like, oh, well, if you get the, if you draft a quarterback, you don't have to pay him. Well, that's the same that if you draft an edge rusher or a wide receiver or anyone else, you don't have to pay him for the first four years. And that's that's the same for any position. So that that, that is if you have to pay your quarterback, you know, 35, 40, 50 million dollars a year but you're also paying these four first round draft picks, nothing that that does kind of even out the salary cap a little bit, which is, which is a, uh, a, a good financial way uh, of looking at that. Uh, I want to stick with the offense. Danny, you've preached over and over again that the bears are a run team. Uh, Khalil Herbert had his second straight uh, look at as I, ooh, we have pretty graphics up there. I love that. Khalil, and you can see his last two games up there on the graphic against the Cardinals, 112 yards rushing, 126 against the Falcons. Seems like the team runs the ball well against anyone, but maybe they run it best when Khalil Herbert is the number one back. Uh, Danny, you've been a big backer of Dante Foreman, uh, but he hasn't had a hundred yard rushing yet this year. Although we've had, we've seen him be productive when running the football. Uh, do you think that this is, Khalil Herbert should be the number one moving forward. Are they better with him as the number one running back? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I was I'm a big Khalil Herbert fan. I, when they picked him, you know, six in the sixth round a couple of years ago, I said this guy's going to be a potential starter for the Bears. And then I think going into season, I think he was a clear cut number one for me. And in terms of this scheme, obviously, if you keep Luke Getzey or bringing a, a corner with with a similar type of scheme, which is that wide zone, inside zone kind of scheme, I mean, he's got the vision, the ability, the patience to go ahead and you know and plant his foot, see that cutback lane, plant and hit it upfield. And also, we've seen that the contact balance, the power to be able to bounce off of defenders and then get that burst and get to that second third level of, of the defense and you know and he's a guy that that gets big yardage and so the other thing is he's improved in terms of his pass catching ability out of the backfield he's got you know uh, shown to have more reliable hands this year obviously the, the one area that that he's been knocked down throughout his career is his pass blocking it's gotten a little bit better obviously the, the big spotlight was a couple weeks ago against cleveland where he got run over by a linebacker but you know that happens from time to time but you know in terms of for me yeah Khalil herbert i think the bears have a talented backfield i think i think with with herbert with Rashawn johnson coming on here and even Deontay Foreman, he's more of that in-between, you know, pounder, a guy that goes between the tackles and just gets those hard yards. I think, for whatever reason, he's kind of fallen out of favor the last couple couple of weeks. So, you know, even if he if you don't resign Deontay Foreman, you know, bringing a, a guy from in, in the third day of the draft, another guy that can be, be in between the tackle to complement those two guys. And again, continue to add to the offensive line. We see the offensive line, you know, being co more cohesive. And you know gelling here with you know Tevin Jenkins on left guard and Braxton Jones on left tackle and obviously you know a right and Davis on the right side I think center I still is, is a priority for me in terms of upgrading there even though I got you know I've, I've been hammering him for all these all these weeks but you know you know Lucas Patrick has, has done a solid job at center let's say let's just say that you know that whole the big holding penalty last week didn't help his case but uh, you know he's, he's he's been he's better at center than, than a guard that's for sure but yeah again you can always improve there that's the one thing I want to shore up that middle of that interior offensive line and continue and that's the thing I've been preaching. You guys know 
every week I said, start with the run game. You work off the play action, build your passing game off the play action. And, and, and you know, I always say, you know, a lap, you know, it's just under center and go with the I formation. And last week, a handful of times they did it, it was successful. But then he just gets, he just likes going back to the shotgun formation and running out of that. I'm not sure what that is about, but, um, you know, anyway, so, but yeah, I mean, the Bears are a running team. It's just getting Luke Getze to, to kind of, you know, embrace that and, and admit it. Well, we'll see if he still has time to admit it moving forward. Uh, what they're going to do with <laughs> with the uh, the coaching staff uh, and the off season, and what that what that staff's going to look like heading into the twenty twenty four season. Um, Alyssa, I'd love for you to comment on the defensive effort by the Bears against the Falcons because you wrote about it on BearsWire.com and you pointed out the efforts of the young players on this defense. So, what stuck out to you? Yeah, like you said, I mean, I continue to be impressed by the young players on this defense and the direction uh, that this unit is uh, is headed towards in the future. And they had another dominant outing. I, I did my studs and duds list. I had a lot of rookies and young players uh, on the studs list, including rookie cornerback Tyreek Stevenson, who just had a monster game. A couple of interceptions, four pass breakups, five tackles. And he earned NFC Defensive Player of the Week honors in the process. So congrats to Tyreek. And, you know, it's not just this game. You know, he's been ascending, I think, in these final stretch of games since week 15, uh, where Pro Football Focus had this stat where he's been targeted 22 times and he's come away with three interceptions, four forced incompletions, and a 47.7 passer rating allowed. So when you're seeing, we saw Jalen uh, Johnson got his first Pro Bowl nod tonight. So maybe Tyreek Stevenson is a player that can develop uh, into a Pro Bowler as well. And for all the talk about the Bears missing out uh, by not drafting Jalen Carter, Javon Dexter has been a revelation as a pass rusher, I think, uh, as the season has progressed. And he had a couple of sacks against the Falcons. Obviously, he still needs to improve. And Matt Eberflus talked about this today. Uh, he needs to show some improvement against the run, but his ability to generate that interior pressure has just been huge for this defense. Uh, and there's a reason that we're seeing more and more of him as the season is progressing. And you also had fifth round rookie uh, Terrell Smith stepping up in place uh, of an injured Jalen Johnson uh, in the second half of the game. And sounds like Jalen's going to be good to go. I, I believe he said that on 670 the score uh, today that he will be playing in this Packers game. But it was nice to see Smith kind of get some more reps and really hold his own out there. And then you see guys like second-year defensive backs, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, they continue to shine. I think that there's no doubt that this defense, which has been a top-five unit since week nine, is definitely on the rise. And just really excited to see you know what they're going to look like even next year as they continue to build this unit. I want to stick with the defense because, Danny, one of the things we got to talk about is the four interceptions in Sunday's game against the Falcons, and all of them happened after Jalen Johnson left the game. So I'm not, I'm not afraid, I'm not framing this question as, as it's my opinion, but does that, does that have any impact on whether or not they need to re-sign Jalen Johnson? I mean, we talk about the salary cap reset by drafting a QB, and you could save probably $15 million in 2024 if you draft a cornerback uh, and then in day one or two. Uh, is Jalen Johnson, who has been playing very, very well and, had, and has probably played his best football in his prove-it year, uh, is, is he a guy that you would be okay letting go, or do you want to see them bring him back? 
No, I'm a Jalen Johnson fan, but I, I just I don't think they're going to sign him to the to the money that they that he wants. And then you mentioned there, you know, John, in terms of what he could be looking at. Now I think it's going to might be even higher now. These are the Pro Bowl, or might be even higher in the, in the twenty you know million per year range. So uh, I think they're just going to they're going to franchise. I'm under belief they're going to franchise him. You know, Jalen Johnson came out and said he, he you know he'd be willing to play on the franchise side, which I think his agent might not be too happy to hear that him say that publicly. But you know, if that's true, you know, franchise him, bring him back for another year, and you have those young guys developing. Listen, they they love. Tyreek Stevenson, we know that. I love Terrell Smith in the fifth round of the draft. You know, when they when they, they drafted him, I, I saw that guy up front and uh, close in Vegas last year in the East-West Shrine game. That kid was turning heads there. I love the fact they got him in the fifth round. I think it was a steal. I called it on draft day, and so far the kid's turning out to be a pretty good player. So they have their their two young some corners. Talked about let's talk about you know Kyle Gordon coming in as as a nickel. I see him potentially and you know as as a outside corner to be you know to be honest. But and he's been playing well right now as, as a nickel. So they got those three young guys. They could probably go draft another guy depending how much how much picks they get if they trade that first overall pick. They get another guy in the second or third round to bring in there, and then eventually if they you know franchise Jalen this year, they could probably trade him or release or you know let him go after this the upcoming season. But I'm under the belief that. Jalen's going to be franchised, and they may trade him for for a for a pick to recoup some of the, the capital they lost for Montez Sweat, or they might just let him play on that franchise side. But I I highly doubt that they're going to sign him to a long term extension. You mentioned he made the Pro Bowl, and the Bears have two Pro Bowlers this year. Uh, Alyssa, can you go over in addition to Johnson, who else made the Pro Bowl for the Bears uh, and uh, their impact on this team? Yeah, obviously the Bears had two Pro Bowlers, like you mentioned, John, including cornerback Jalen Johnson and what was should come as no surprise defensive end Montez Sweat. This is both of their first Pro Bowl selections, so congrats to both of those guys. Obviously, Sweat, who the Bears landed in a trade from the Commanders, has just helped transform this Bears defense from one of the worst into one of the best in the NFL. You know, Sweat has a career-high 12-and-a-half sacks through week 17, and that ranks third in the NFC. He leads both the Bears and Commanders in sacks. And if things end that way, he would be the first player to accomplish that in NFL history. And then you have Johnson, of course, the former second rounder, and he has had a career year with the Bears this season. He's established himself as one of the best of the NFL's best cover cornerbacks. And he's all he also has a career high four interceptions, which is tied for the team best. And there are quite a few players that have four interceptions for Chicago this year. Um, he's also has recorded 36 tackles and 10 pass breakups. I think when you look at this Bears defense and the players that have been, you know, integral parts to just how dominant they've been in the last few weeks, it's definitely Sweat and Johnson. And now they're Pro Bowl bound. That's right. I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for this. Uh, you know, Montez Sweat was a huge get. We, I mean... You got a trade had to have a trade had to work out sooner or later, right? <laughs> so, so we 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 got it, and uh, and this one looks like it's it's working out. Uh, any uh, Danny, who do you think a, a snub may have been? Well, PZ's guy right there. I, I think DJ Moore. Uh, I think could you know could have had a good good case there for for the Pro Bowl. Obviously, the the four receivers ahead of him. I think I think you know statistically they they they've had better impact seasons. Obviously, Mike Evans. I think that's more of a nostalgic kind of kind of vote there. So I you know I, I think between him and you know DJ could have could have been gone there as well. So I think he was a big snub on offense. And for me, it's it's TJ Edwards. Man, I think I think you know I, I think they you know the, the Bears improvement on defense. You know, I started all. 
uh, not coincidentally with, with with the addition of Montez Sweat. So now you, you got a pro bowl on, on that first layer of the defense. I think you have a pro bowl on a second layer with TJ Edwards. And now you have a, a, a pro bowl on a third level with Jalen Johnson. So I got you got a pro bowl on each level of the defense. And now you have the young guys around them. I think that's that the cohesiveness and those three guys are making this defense, you know, uh churn now at, at, at a time where and you see the turnovers and you see that you know the getting off on, on, on third downs and all that stuff. So I think you know TJ Edwards for me on defense and obviously DJ Moore on offense would be the two big snubs for for the Bears. Yep, I I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, and I mean, we're talking about we're talking about the Pro Bowl, and we're talking about the offseason, we're talking about the Bears. We're going to do, but Alyssa, I guess we still have a game that we got to preview, right? Oh, that's right, we do. Um, since we are talking about the Pro Bowl, I know you're wondering which Packers players made the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I am thrilled to tell you that Green Bay was one of four teams who did not have a player voted to the Pro Bowl. So congratulations. Aww. Aww. Uh, the others. The others are the Panthers, the Patriots, and the Commanders, who are all picking inside the top three right now, uh, except for Carolina, of course. By the way, thanks for that number one pick. Now let's get an overview on the Packers from our own Aldo Gandia. Of week one here at Soldier Field, where the Packers come in and dominate the Bears yet again. 38-20, to 20, and Jordan Love couldn't start it any better. Green Bay's won nine in a row against their rival, second longest win streak in series history, and Love 1-0 against Chicago. The week one thrashing of the Bears by the Packers at Soldier Field had Green Bay believing that their quarterback, Jordan Love, was going to continue to own Chicago. Jordan, you come to Chicago, you throw for three touchdowns. At the half, your head coach is saying you are beyond poised. How would you assess your performance today? Um, you know, I'm always I'm always very critical of myself, so um, it was a great game. You know, we got the win. That's exactly what we wanted. Um, great team showing. Um, came out and did what we needed to do and uh, showed the world what we're about. So. But Love's first season as starter for the Packers hasn't always been all love. Rush. Love, end zone, intercepted. Good night. After game one, the Packers would go on to lose six of their next eight games, including four in a row. Jordan Love's future was in question. You know, we're going through some things um, that we knew we would go through. Um, you know, we haven't had the results we want. But now the team playing for a playoff spot Sunday is eight and eight after winning seven of 10 games. And Love is a big reason why. 16 TDs, one interception, you know, last eight games, 68% completion, you know, 260 yards passing the game. Here's a fake, low, sets up, now goes back door to Jones, he's got some blockers here. Packers running back Aaron Jones had over 120 yards of total offense against the Bears, but suffered an injury that marred his 2023 season. But he's back, he's healthy, and he's gaining lots of rushing yards. 127 against Carolina in week 16 and 120 versus the Vikings last week. Jones is a really good dynamic runner uh, that can do a lot of different things. You know, his cutting ability, his vision, um, his explosiveness is, is elite. And having Dylan there is a one-two punch, very uh, hard to bring down. They rode him right into the end zone. Touchdown Green Bay. Here's Reed. At the receiver core, it's a young group led by Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs. Love. Each has eight touchdown catches. Cards for the touchdown. Romeo Dobbs, number two. Off the offensive line. Yeah. 
The offensive line is considered among the best in the NFC, even with the season-long absence of left tackle David Bakhtiari. Last week against the blitz-heavy Vikings, they did not allow any sacks, but did surrender 13 quarterback hurries on 34 dropbacks. Tight end Luke Musgrave hasn't played since week 11, but fellow rookie Tucker Kraft has filled in admirably, and he's been a great option for Love when first downs are needed. Wide open on the other side of the field is the rookie Tucker Kraft. Their defensive line is one of the strengths of their team. Back at the 21-yard line, Rashawn Gary. What a day. On defense, edge rushers Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith lead the team in sacks with nine and eight, respectively. Big pressure, Preston Smith knocked it out. Ball is free, and the Packers have it. Uh, moving inside to the linebackers, uh, Quay. I think Quay's a really good linebacker. He's got really good instincts, uh, very athletic. Uh, very active in there. Field stands in, delivers, intercepted. Clay Walker's got it. Looking for blocks. Walker still on his feet. Walker still going. Looking for the end zone. Clay Walker is in. Touchdown. Campbell, the veteran, you know, inside there, you know, paired along with him, has, has, has done a good job of commanding that defense for a long, long time. The interior of the line is armed and loaded with Kenny Clark leading the way. Despite the team's TNT up front, the team's INTs have been few. The Packers have only seven team interceptions. Star cornerback Jari Alexander is still looking for his first pick of the season. Special teams play for Green Bay has been adequate. Nixon into Detroit territory, still on his feet. But their place kicker, Anders Carlson has missed five field goals and five extra points this season. And the field goal is no good. 45-yard drive by Anders Carlson. At today's press conference, Bears head coach Matt Eberflus said that Green Bay and Chicago have been playing similar ball in the second half of the season. The only problem, of course, is that the Packers are playing for a playoff spot and the Bears are playing for bragging rights. For Buffon 55, I'm Aldo Gandia. Oh, you know it's a good video when it ticks you <laughs> off. Oh, man. Even uh, I was upset with that video. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, I think I, I I felt it, and I'm uh, – I now if we were talking about getting psyched up for this game. We were talking about getting hyped up for this game. I know that the Bears can't win anything, but they can win something. They can win. Oh, yeah. They can go out by beating the Packers, potentially keeping them out of the playoffs. I don't care about the draft positioning right now. I, I just beat Green Bay. Green, beat Green Bay. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm stumbling if over my words because if, if you're Matt Eberflus and you're this defense that that claims to be on the on the up and coming here, you know, and, and you're you're a team that's rallying around your coach to try and save his job, you know, this Eberflus go out there, win this game, and, and and knock out your rival out of the playoffs. And I think that again, they always keep they always you know. Justin did it early in the year, and I think the coaching staff has done it a couple of times in terms of referencing to last year's Detroit Lions team. What did Detroit do last year? Last game of the season. Green Bay had everything to play for, winning and go in. Detroit had nothing to play for, and they came in there and, and they kicked their ass and they kicked them out of the playoffs, and they, they took that momentum into this offseason and look, look at Detroit now. They, they, won, they won the North this year. So, you know, if, if you are the Bears, I think that's – I think I at least I expect a spirited Bears team to come out Sunday and try and knock the Packers out. Now, 
well, they can do it or not. We, you know, we'll, we'll see. But you know, that, that you know, everyone's ha you know, everyone's excited with with the, with the improvement in, in terms of the win totals. And yes, you know, seven wins obviously is better than three. But if you go over those seven wins, guys, they've only been one team with a winning record, and that's that's Detroit with with Jared Goff. I mean, some of the other ones they beat the Commanders with Sam Howell. Commanders were four and twelve. They beat the Raiders when when um, McDaniel's was still the coach with Brian Hoyer quarterback. Obviously, Carolina with with you know Bryce Young. Minnesota with with uh, you know Josh Dobbs. Arizona a couple weeks ago with Kyler Murray, and then last year, you know, last week with, with you know, Atlanta with a good defense, sixth overall, but Taylor Heineke at quarterback. So they haven't really beat anybody good. Now, again, you play who's on your schedule. So I'm, I'm not blaming the Bears, you know, in terms of, you know, cherry picking their, their opponents, but it's just like, you know, you want to go out there and you want to have a statement win. And I think the Detroit game was a statement win. And I think going out there and beating Green Bay in Green Bay, eliminating them from the playoffs is a statement when you know a, a little a little feather in the, in the cap of Matt Eberflus and the staff to go up to management and say, hey, you know what, I deserve to come back, and and that, that that's why I think the Bears will see a spirit of effort uh, on Sunday in Green Bay. And if they were to win this game, I believe, and uh, at the you guys can confirm this, they would be three and three in the division, right? They would be they would have, they would have split with every opponent. They would have split with the Lions, split with the Vikings, yeah. and split with the Packers. And so I think yeah. that's another thing that you can you can put you can put in your cap for a team that. That was was struggling to win any division games could potentially you know split with all of their division rivals uh, in 2023-24. So and uh, we'll again, see if that happens, John and Alyssa. If that happens again, you're you're running a momentum into the offseason. Now, do you want to reset that with a rookie quarterback next year, or do you want to continue building on that and and, and continue Absolutely. bringing assets into this onto this team and building this team around Justin Fields? Another case in point why Justin Fields keeping him is is probably the better player. Well, and you know that this game could potentially be an exclamation point one way or the other for if, if they're still on the fence for some things or they're gonna they still they're still evaluating well, the last game again say what you will but I, I for me and for fans and maybe the front office and the coaching staff there is a bigger emphasis on Green Bay games just because it's Green Bay and you know and when Lovey Smith came in and said I'm here to beat Green Bay that was received better than most lines that were ever said in Chicago so it, it, there there is a bigger emphasis on Green Bay games, and we're talking about the, with, the, with the Bears, but let's talk about the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers because they feel like they found their third Hall of Fame quarterback in succession with uh, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and now Jordan Love. Danny, what have you seen from Jordan Love? Do, do Bears fans have to fear that he is going to add to this Green Bay legacy of great quarterbacks? Well, before we go to Hall of Fame and and, and great, let, let's let's pump the brakes. I, you know me, guys. I don't like putting out the. I don't like calling people franchise quarterbacks or elite and, until they prove it, right? So Jordan Love got off to a solid start this season and then hit that little bump in the road and kind of had a rough week. And again, a young quarterback in his first full season as, as a starter, though you know there's some growing pains, right? And and that's what you expect. Even with though Jordan Love has been sitting what two three years behind you know Aaron Rodgers and, and learning from him, he still had no experience. Went out there and and he's really. You know, had that big that that slump in the middle of the year. Um, you know, took his took his lumps there, and I always come back. And, and the thing impressed about him is he's thrown over or th he's thrown over thirty eight hundred yards, thirty passing touchdowns, and twenty six of those touchdowns have gone to either first or second year players. So he's he's got a, a, a young, 
you know, a skill set, a, a group around them with, you know, the receivers and tight ends, obviously, you know, and, and the package there also talked about, you know, the, the veterans in the backfield with, with Jones and, and, and the, the big bruising running back. So, you know, in the offensive line, I mean, that's what's, you know, really kind of catapults this team in terms of, you know, getting him on the roof. But yeah, he's, he's rebounded after week nine. I think Love uh, started really at that Detroit game, I believe, in, on, on Thanksgiving Day. He really started kind of building his momentum there. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been on a roll. And I think it was a 16 touchdowns, one interception in his last six or seven games, something like that. Uh, so he's on a roll. So, yeah, again, Bears, Matt Eberflus, defense. You're saying this is this is, this is your calling card. This defense is on, on, on the come. Here we go. We got You got a hot young quarterback at home with a chance of them to go to playoffs. Shut them out. Shut them down. You guys have been playing well. But, again, we talked about it, you know, John, a couple weeks ago. You know, three, you know, double-digit, you know, leads in the fourth quarter. This defense has blown, right? Denver – Detroit, that first game, and then Cleveland. You win those two of those three games, you're in the playoffs now, probably, right? So again, if, if you want to go out there and and you know, put your money where your mouth is and say, you know, we're we're a good up and coming young defense, go on and prove it. That's why I think that the that the Bears are going to give this this Packers team, you know, a, a good effort here on Sunday. For sure, and and, and it's for a number of reasons. We're going to have our. I mean, we're obviously going to be watching the game, but there are so many different storylines that are going along with this game. Whether it's the coaching, whether it's the quarterbacking, whether it's the Green Bay's playoff chances, whether it's just the fact that it's the Bears-Packers rivalry that the Bears, like I said before, are on a nine-game losing streak to Green Bay. They haven't beat them yet in the 2020s, a decade. Like it's it's just it's 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 frustrating and so uh Alyssa over at packerswire.com uh Paul Brettel and I don't know if I said his name right because uh, me being the consummate professional didn't take the time to learn anybody's name uh but Paul wrote about the importance of the turnover battle Greg Jennings. for the Greg <laughs> Jennings yeah just throw the Jennings in the bag we'll be fine uh and the importance of the turnover battle for this week's uh game uh can you kind of share the gist about what he wrote there yeah, you know, he talked a lot about winning the turnover battle. And obviously it's important, especially in these kind of games. And if the Bears hope to get their first win over the Packers since 2018. And I don't know, the way you said it, like in this deck, they hadn't in this decade, it just like hit different. If they're going to get their first win of this decade in this rivalry, they're going to need to win the turnover battle on Sunday. You know, uh, Paul was talking about some stats, including this season when the Packers win the turnover battle, they are five and one. But when they lose it, they are just one and six. And when they tie, they are two and two. So, you know, when you kind of look at the Bears and what they've done on offense, they've committed 25 turnovers this season, which is uh, the 10th most in the NFL through 17 games. But the defense has been among the best at taking the ball away, obviously spurned on by the addition of Montez Sweat. Uh, they had 27 takeaways, the third most in the NFL through 17 games. So Justin Fields and Chicago's offense – needs to protect the football and the Bears defense. Like Danny said, they really need to step up in this moment, bring the pressure, force some turnover, turnovers to help flip the script on what's been a one-sided rivalry. I want to finish with this, guys, because I want you to take – I already – I see, I, I'm all emotional. I, I, I hung up my my journalist hat years ago, so I, I now I can just be a big meatball who spews out just random things. So I want you guys to take off your analyst hats. I want you to take off your journalist hat. Talk, forget about what it means, you know, technically and by the numbers and who's going to do the what. What does this game mean to you? What does this game against Green Bay, what does the Green Bay matchup in general, the Green Bay rivalry mean to you? Because there's a reason why you do what you do, because you had a passion for the Chicago Bears and most likely a disdain for the Green Bay Packers. So, Danny, I'll start with you and then we'll end with Alyssa. What does this game against Green Bay mean to you? 
Well, for me, in terms of, you know, like the stain for the Packers, I mean, I, I hate everyone in, in NFC North. I hate the, the Lions. I hate the Vikings. I hate the Packers just as badly. So, and because the, all three basically have been really, you know, dominating the, the our, you know, our bears here for, for the last, you know, couple of years. So, but for me, in, in terms of this is, you know, we talked about earlier, this is a, a game where Iberflus as a, as a head coach can go out and, and cement his case for coming back. You know, Justin Fields can go out there and, and lead the Bears to to a victory, cementing his spot as as the you know leader of this franchise, the face of this franchise, if you will. If he goes out there and helps this team go ahead and 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 secure a victory, I think you know obviously we heard the chants last week at, at Soldier Field where we want Fields back, and you know I thought I was the only one in, in the crowd who wanted wanted Fields back, but it sounds like there's a lot of people out there that want Justin back as well. So that's that's you know that's good to hear. But go out there, you 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 lead this team to a victory. Obviously, I, I think then that cements you before coming back. I think that's that helps a great deal in terms of Justin being the, the guy here moving on in the future. And I think that sends a message now to the rest of the division saying, Hey, you know what you sent you the bears beat all three. Well, we'll, we'll have been all three if, if they win here on Sunday on, on, on in green Bay. And that, that this is a young, young up and coming team. It's no longer just a automatic win on your schedule, green Bay, Detroit, or Minnesota. This is a team that if they continue on this path, continue building, you know, call pieces here on defense, call pieces on offense, and continue. You know, maybe another new play caller. We'll see, but you know, continue building there, and you you have a, a young you know roster that that's developing and, and coming coming for, you know, what what Ryan Poles said initially. They're coming for that north, and they're going to try and take it and keep it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Never let it go. How about how about you, Alyssa? Uh, yeah. I mean, this rivalry, this game. I mean, means everything. Just like you said, I just like I've hated the Packers for as long as I can imagine. Obviously I don't, I don't like the other NFC North teams. Um, but like just the hatred for the Packers is unlike anything uh, that I've experienced just, and, and it comes from a lot of losing, a lot of disappointment, a lot of just agonizing moments, losses. I mean, you just kind of look back to the fact that the bears haven't beaten them since 2018 when that was the last time they had won the NFC North too. And since then it's just been nine straight agonizing losses you know, there's been a lot of bad losses during that streak, but then you kind of go back to week one and that just, that hangs over me like a black cloud. Like we've been talking about it. That one I'm still, I'm still mad about the hype and anticipation going into that game this season and then the high expectations and then just immediately crashing back down to earth. It was a gut punch because this was supposed to be the year that the Bears finally took back the rivalry. And I've been a part of another one of these one-sided rivalries as a Michigan fan, it was the same thing every time they play at Ohio State. They would lose and lose badly and in heartbreaking fashion. Michigan had lost 15 to 16 games since I'd been a fan until they turned it around in 2021. And now they've taken back control of the rivalry. Look at me hitting the microphone now, uh, winning three straight. So what I've learned from that rivalry is that eventually the tide does turn. Things do get better. They will get better. And all it takes is one win to get the ball rolling. I mean, this would just be one hell of a way to close out the 2023 season, beating the Packers, doing our part to keep them out of the playoffs and rolling into the off season with arguably the best win, their best win in years. I want it. I need it. And I think that we all deserve it, Ah, man. And like Danny said too, just what it would do for Justin Fields. And like John, you're mentioning too, that this game just means something different. We know this means something different to the McCaskies. This means something different to Virginia. Like if they go out there and win this game, it just feels like it'd be a statement. And again, just, and I, we've never, it would be nice to come onto Buffon 55 and actually celebrate 
a Bears yeah. victory over the Packers. Never happened yet since I've been on this show. Uh, so I'm really hoping that eventually, I don't know, before I die, that we could celebrate <laughs> a Bears victory over the Packers on the phone 55. I just remember all three of us, that, that first week, that was a gut punch to all three of us. And yeah. we just came back next week and we're dejected. I mean, this is a perfect way of to, to redeem yourself, Bears. Go out there, knock these guys out. This, to me, if, and if I'm Iberflus and the staff, this is how I'm building it to these players. This is our mm-hmm. playoff team this is a playoff game this is this is going to be a playoff atmosphere here for you yeah. guys get used to it this is how it feels you want guys want to be in a real playoffs this is how it feels let's go on and so this is a, a, again a building block a building stone for this franchise and for this regime if you will so that's how i would sell it if, if i'm the coaching staff absolutely because if you want to if you want to build a culture of winning then you be, taking taking your biggest rivalry out of the playoffs is a in great foundation to lay that on even if even if you don't yourself have anything to play for and, and just to reiterate i know I, I if you've listened to this show in the past i've brought these numbers up before but in 1992 brett Favre's first year as the green bay packers quarterback the bears were leading this rivalry 81 to 58 now i'm not great with math but is that 24 or is that 23 24 games that's like 12 seasons worth of games there that they were up by on the on the on the Packers and then after 1992 they fell apart if you in the 90s they lost to the Packers it was the series was 13 to 7 that's the 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 Packers won 13 the Bears won 7 in the 1990s in the 2000s the Packers won 12 the Bears won 8 in the 2000 in the 2010s the Packers won 17 the Bears won 4 Wow. Oh the 2010s, the Packers won the rivalry 17 to 4. And currently in the 2020s, they are up 7 to 0. I'm tired of this. I'm so over this. We've lost three straight decades to the Packers. After so- having 24 games up on the rivalry, they're down. What what did I say? 106 to 95 or whatever the hell it is now. So, so John, on the flip side, and Alyssa as well, if if what, what you know, the hopefully the this doesn't happen, but what if the Bears get blown out by the Packers? Do we come here next week talking about fire everyone and get rid of everyone? Is that what we're doing? Probably. That's what we do. Yes. We're over we're overreactors. That's what we do. Yep. <laughs> gonna, exactly. they, that's what we did after week one. We might as well do it after week eighteen. We might we might we might as well just say. They lost to the Packers again, you know, turned Soldier Field into a parking lot. I'm done with this team. I'd say fire everyone. But because then we don't even have a we don't even have a game to fall back on at that point. Then then we gotta then we just gotta yell and scream the entire offseason. Uh and and then and then around J- July, June, July, August, we start giving ourselves all that hope again as if this is the year. This is the year. This is what we do. Bears sick. Bears fans are yeah eerily resilient. I mean, we're we're miserable, but we're eerily resilient in telling ourselves that you know what you know you know Marcus Wheaton could be a good receiver. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you going back to you, we got we they got some players. I mean, you, you Mike Glennon's pretty good. Uh, you know, oh. you go. go you didn't tell me I needed to bring alcohol to this podcast tonight, guys. I didn't well, know. We, we do we do this all the time. It's just like you know what we're going into this. We're going. We got Equinemius St. Brown, and we got we. What, uh, Remember, Marquise Wilson was supposed to be a speedster. 
Yeah, and you guys remember uh, Devin Aramashidu was going to be a Hall of Famer after he caught that ball from Jay Cutler, and so it's don't forget like, the it's, big, don't forget the big trade, uh, twenty seventeen for Dontrell Inman. Dontrell Inman from the Chargers. <laughs> that was a big That was the missing piece right there. So all of that to say that we we do talk ourselves into believing this because we have to. That's all we have, and eventually the Bears are going to pay us off for that. I have faith. I don't know what decade it's going to be, but eventually the Bears are going to pay us. They're going to pay us back for everything that we put into it emotionally. The payoffs coming, guys. The payoffs and wheelchairs. Well, as long as it's not 2055 when it's like a 70 year drought, that's that's fine. But oh god, uh, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, well, we won't get there. Uh, but wrap up the show. Uh, it, this was our final preview show of the season. Very sad, I know. Uh, before we shut it down, Alyssa, tell us what's happening over at BearsWire.com for the last game of the season, and then what happens once the uh, once week 18 is over. Yeah, so make sure you check out BearsWire.com. We're bringing you our final game week of the season, getting you ready before, during, and after the game. And obviously with the off season just days away, we're going to have plenty of coverage, including uh, plenty of Justin Fields, draft, Caleb Williams, all of that stuff, coverage. So make sure you're, you're staying there. Cause I mean, I feel like the off season is when I shine, when we shine over at Bears wire. So make sure you check that out. Excellent. And Danny, speaking about time to shine, the regular season is coming to a close, and so mm-hmm. is the college football season. You're about to hit your biggest the time of the year. Go, oh, that's right. You got to get that go big blue. <laughs> I forgot that you're such a big Michigan. I, that's, I, I always forget about that. We never talk about that. We, never. We, you know, I'm sure we will talk about it next week one way or another. I'm sure that will be brought up. It's uh, good. <laughs> uh, but uh, what, what, are, what can people expect from you moving forward, Danny? Big time of the year. Bears fans are really interested in what's going on with this draft. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, obviously after the game on Sunday, we'll, we'll do you, uh, myself and, and coach D will do the, uh, bear football post game show. And, and after that, it's going to be, I think one more show of, of, of before 55 and then it's, it's full speed draft on tap previewing the, the prospects. I've already looked at, you know, a, a ton of the position groups here, just did some, uh, some, an over overview here of, of some of the top guys. And then obviously the, you know, the, the juniors are declaring now. So, I tend to not, I like to wait till all, ever, all the juniors kind of declare and then before I start digging into their tape. But I do have a, a you know, an understanding of, of what's going on here. Obviously, Senior Bowl, uh, the, the big the big showcase there for for some of these prospects this year. Is there's some some different rules which they will allow underclassmen to to attend the Senior Bowl, and you know those invitations already gone out. And I think I think this end of this week or next week they're going to announce the players that have accepted invitations to go down to Mobile and, and Senior Bowl. So that, that starts a process, and then well, pretty soon after that will be the combine and. Also, like Alyssa said, there's going to be a lot of talk here about quarterbacks and receivers and, and offensive linemen and defensive linemen, edge rushers. So, you know, I hope you guys join us all here on Draft on Tap as, as myself and Aldo will go ahead and, and break down these prospects and, and give you all types of formations and, and, and kinds of trades and, and kind of players you can bring in here and fits and schemes. And, and the other thing that's going to dictate that is, is any, are there going to be any changes to the staff, whether it's offensive you know, play caller. Well, it's defensive play caller. You know what, what's going to happen here. Uh, we'll so a lot to happen here once once the season ends. And, and stay tuned to the Ballroom Network here for all the late breaking stuff. Oh, that's right. We got content 
all the time, off-season, during the season. There's probably a new show every single day that you can listen to on the Barroom Network. And like Danny said, uh, don't forget to join him, myself, and Coach T for Bear Football, our post-game show. The three of us will share immediate reactions, carry Coach Eberflus and Justin Fields' press conference, break down key plays of the game, and probably get into some off-season predictions as well. So you don't want to miss that. Set the alarm and set the alert for that. As soon as the clock hits triple zeros, we go live. We give it instant. I'm talking instant reaction to that game. So make sure that you're tuned in for that. But that will do it for us tonight for Buffone 55. For Alyssa Barbieri and Danny Shimon. I'm John Buffone. We'll see you next week for the season finale of Buffone 55. You are not going to want to miss this one. Good night, everybody. <laughs>